Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Fast Talk. Street Talk. Mike Graham. Fighting the good fight with all his might. Providing a welcome dose of common sense for the common people. Solid Talk. Hot Talk. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. The home of common sense. Talk Radio and Talk TV. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. This is, of course, a a very... Very big day in politics. Dominic Raab has just resigned uh, as Deputy Prime Minister. We'll be bringing you all the latest news from Downing Street as it unfolds. Because what does this mean for Rishi Sunak? Dominic Raab says what it means for the future of government is something very bad indeed. He says that the uh, findings against him were flawed. He says that they set a dangerous precedent for the conduct of good government. What we seem to have here uh, is a stitch-up, it would seem to me. Dominic Raab has obviously been forced to resign. We're going to be talking to Peter Cardwell. Richard Tyson's here as well. Isabel Oakshot will be on uh, Lots of us uh, are going to be talking about this throughout the course of the day. Uh, this is the Independent Republican Mike Graham. Let's get it on. Welcome to the Independent Republican Mike Graham. Before we talk to Richard Tice about this, let's go straight to Peter Cardwell, Talk Radio's uh, political editor. Peter, um, what does this mean for Rishi Sunak, first of all? Well, he's lost a big and important ally in this. Dominic Raab was the one late in August when everybody knew Liz Truss was going to win the Conservative leadership competition when he was still out batting for Rishi Sunak, absolutely key ally. He was sent to political Siberia by Liz Truss, then brought back by Rishi Sunak to be the job he loved, uh, Justice Secretary and Deputy Prime Minister. Now he's gone back to the backbenches, political Siberia, the Liberal Democrats already saying in the last few minutes he should resign as an MP. But what's interesting in this letter, there's no apology really, no real contrition. He's essentially saying apologies if you were offended, which is a way of sort of saying, sorry, sorry, not sorry. And a lot of what he's saying in this letter is that the process he believes is flawed and of the 24 allegations, only two of them upheld by Adam Tully, KC, obviously KC rather than QC, King's Council these days. But it's really interesting what Adam Tully is saying in that. He says, first ministers must be able to exercise direct oversight with respect to senior officials over critical negotiations conducted on behalf of the British people. Otherwise, the democratic and constitutional principle of ministerial responsibility will be lost. He's made a number of allegations against civil servants as well within that letter saying that 
uh, people were taken away, uh, private secretaries, uh, senior civil servants were taken away from him during this process. He really is not happy at all. Looks as if he was forced to resign there. It doesn't look as if he wrote, wrote this letter voluntarily and it's dripping with anger, Mike. Yeah, absolutely right. Peter, thank you very much indeed. Richard Tice is here with us. I mean, also significant. Uh, two paragraphs really in this letter, Richard. Good morning. Good morning. Um, uh, one, uh, the one where he says that basically uh, Mr. Tolly concluded that I had not once in four and a half years sworn or shouted at anyone, let alone thrown anything or otherwise physically intimidated anyone, nor intentionally sought to belittle anyone. And then later, in another paragraph, he says, uh, I raised with you a number of improprieties that came to light during the course of this inquiry, including the systematic leaking of skewed and fabricated claims, to wit, uh, this tomato throwing incident, which everybody was assuring me was true, yep. turns out now it wasn't true, um, and, and fabricated claims made to the media in breach of the rules of the inquiry, and coercive removal by a senior official of dedicated private secretaries from my Ministry of Justice private office. I mean, is this the inflection of, uh, of wokery into the running I of think, government? I, I think this is the beginning of what is likely to be an absolute war zone between ministers uh, within the Conservative Party and the civil yeah. service. And I think that this could well trigger a major, major review mm. of relations between ministers and civil servants because Dominic Raab has blown the lid. He has lifted the lid on what has clearly gone on here. Mm. Yes, he's been found uh, <clears throat> to have done wrongdoing on two of the 24 but he says this sets a very low threshold, a very low bar for the conduct of good government. Mm. And some of his allegations against civil servants, I think, need major investigation yes. themselves. It is quite clear from these allegations that he is accusing numerous people within the senior civil service of a deliberate campaign to undermine him as a secretary of state, yeah. even removing some of his own officials, mm. um, <clears throat> and that it will encourage spurious complaints and essentially what this may lead to if it's allowed to carry on unchecked is that any snowflake civil servant can make a complaint against any minister mm. that they want to and essentially that stops the conduct of good accountable demanding yes. challenging performing good government on us the taxpayer mm. who pays their salaries Indeed. for heaven's sake and we don't want snowflake civil servants to sit around doing no. nothing, we want them to perform and perform quickly. And Rob has blown the lid on it. And what we also don't want is civil servants who are politically motivated and who are uh, going against their minister, if you like, because they don't agree with the policy. I mean, we know, for example, in the Home Office, the Home Office Union um, has launched a legal action against the government over its policy about um, um, illegal migrants. So, you know, you've got an organisation for which you are supposed to be in charge basically suing you on the basis they don't like your policy. It's quite extraordinary. It's he ridiculous. actually accuses a senior diplomat, essentially, of breaching the mandate and the trust of the ministerial task mm. that he was set uh, within the third paragraph of this letter. And so it goes on. Uh, <clears throat> and he confirms that uh, in four and a half years, as you say, he didn't shout or swear at anybody, he didn't throw anything, and that's been confirmed by Tolly. So lots of these allegations mm. and smears have turned out to be nothing short of complete and utter fabricated nonsense. lies and nonsense. Yeah. And I think this is, uh, we're going to hear a lot about this. I mean, effectively 10% of the, of the claims against him have been upheld. Less right? than 10%. And, and as a result, and, he's out of a job. And, that doesn't and, make any sense well, at all, does it? And of course, no one condones bullying. It's a vile trait. But what is pretty clear from this is that actually, this is not what any sane, rational person with any degree of common sense would define mm. as bullying. 
But what we, also, what we also don't know, Richard, is what is the definition of bullying in this report and what are the, the circumstances under which he is well, forced to resign? What he's confirmed is that it sets the threshold for bullying right. to a new low. But we need to know exactly what the allegation is that has made him quit, don't and, we? And, and for sure, the report will become public either uh, openly or through some form mm. of leak in the very near future. I suspect if I was Dominic Raab, I would actually get the report released yeah, immediately. I would, and, and trigger a major, major debate. Yes. Because on the one hand, a number of people have said, you know, he has a certain way of conducting himself, and there's no doubt that he is, uh, works incredibly hard and is demanding. Uh, and, and maybe sometimes... Well, you'd like to think he would be. Yes, I mean, and, he's and the Minister of the Crown. You want like him to, to be demanding. Be. You don't want him to be walking into a room full of civil servants and being intimidated and now, not being able to, to sort of press his will onto them. And he may have said some... He may have said some daft things to certain people. There was something on Piers Morgan's show where I was with Gina Miller, where he clearly uh, was uh, said something some years ago that was highly uh, inappropriate and wrong. But nevertheless, the principle is we want our ministers to be able to drive performance mm. on behalf of taxpayers from the civil servants. Yeah. And I think this is, this is absolutely seismic in the relationship yeah. between any minister of any political right. colour and the civil service. So basically what we can only conclude at the moment is that in two cases uh, of allegations against him, uh, he was ruled to have been a bit of a bully. Uh, but in over 20 cases, he was ruled not to have been a bit of a bully. So what is he? Is he a bully and, or is he not a bully? Uh, exactly. And that all the allegations uh, about him shouting and throwing things and swearing were all dismissed. Right. And you might think, I mean, look, I've been in corporate meetings for decades. Yeah. And... You know, sometimes there's a bit of tension in yeah. the room. People are brainstorming, coming up with ideas, mm. demanding performance. That's what happens. Yeah. And occasionally voices get raised. And occasionally there's the odd swear word thrown yeah. in for good measure. Although he says in all the time that he was in the department, he didn't. He has nothing in his report so, and, suggests that he ever swore. And, and if that's, that's what he says, and, and he says that's what the, uh, the findings uh, found, so um, that's to his credit, apparently. So, you know, I think that this is, uh, I think it's utterly extraordinary. And the allegations that a, uh, there was a coercive plan and plot to remove Mm. uh, his private secretaries, a number of them, uh, last year. I mean, he's demanding a separate inquiry Mm. of that. I mean, these are really serious allegations by him against the civil service. This is literally the beginning of a war Mm. between government ministers and senior civil servants. And uh, as I say before, people elect the government of the day to perform on behalf of the people, not to have to be subjected to a bunch of snowflake civil servants. Yes. And the problem for all of us here is that we will not know until we see it exactly what these allegations are. It may be um, that because of all of the publicity surrounding this nonsense and because it's been going on for so many days that Rishi Sunak had to say to him, look, you're going to have to go. Otherwise, it's going to get very dirty and messy and ridiculous because they're never going to give up. But I have to say this. It seems to me that he's been got at by the blob, doesn't it? Without question. There's no question about that. There's no doubt whatsoever. The blob have lied. Mm. They have leaked stuff that is completely incorrect right. to the media. Right. They have deliberately undermined Which his Which has been eaten up by The Guardian, you know, Correct. very, very willingly. And, and this is, look, this is, uh, I can't recall anything quite so serious in terms of a breakdown of trust between the key elements of the way that our mm. government functions, yeah. where you've got ministers and civil servants at war with each other. And let's remember that senior civil servants in the Home Office... Mm. Uh, tried to undermine Priti Patel, yeah. 
And Boris Johnson actually uh, protected her, stood by her. Mm. Uh, so it may well be that she uh, uses this opportunity to release some other additional information. And let's not forget, it wasn't that long ago, even though it does now seem like eons ago, that Dominic Cummings came in with a, with a sort of a programme uh, to completely and utterly um, change the way that the civil service operated. Uh, his view was that it was not efficient. His view was that it was politically motivated uh, and that it was a, I, a, I, an, 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 an obstructive force to good government. And, and I've said for, for years, what actually should happen is that a Secretary of State should be able to bring in 10, 15 top people mm. from the private sector to come in and run a department yeah. and, frankly, kick some backside, get yeah. some performance, get some stuff done, cut out waste. That's what the British people and taxpayers want. They want to demand performance. Well, the basic principle now would seem to be if you vote Tory, you won't be able to get them to con continue with any kind of programme of policies because the civil service will stop it all. Uh, that, that, is, uh, that is the thing. and You know, it's happened in the migrant case time after time. Time after um, time. It's clearly happened in the Foreign Office. It's clearly happened uh, in the Department of Defence, um, you know, where they're sending Correct. around uh, and, emails and about, please tell us what your pronoun is before they're actually absolute. arming the soldiers of this country. And you saw it with the, uh, the finding guilty of one of those eco-zealot protesters mm. yesterday yes. in court. It only took the jury 30 minutes to find the court. It's taken 18 months to get to court, yeah. even though there was no doubt about the fact that they the were banged to rights. That she was banged to rights. Yeah. Why did it take 18 months? It's going to take the judge another six weeks to rule a sentence. Yeah. If I was the judge, I could have made the sentence there and then. You don't mm. need any you don't need another six weeks. And why did it take 18 months? But they're months? not going to be locked up. They're just going to be charged with uh, you know the costs of the court case. But th these are these are these are more and more examples mm. of a, a civil service in various departments that is utterly incapable of delivering for the British people and yeah. it needs wholesale reform. Yeah, absolutely right. It's a big story. Uh, there's no better place to be to find out what happens next because what we need to see, obviously, uh, is the actual report itself. Dominic, Ra uh, Dominic Raab has resigned as Deputy Prime Minister but he's not going without a fight and he's basically saying that he's been stitched up uh, by the blob. He's saying that all of these allegations uh, bar two were thrown out. Uh, we haven't seen what the other two actually are uh, but he says it's a very, very low bar for bullying. And what is the definition of bullying. Let's hear it from Rishi Sunak. Let's have him come out and speak to us and say this is what happened. This is Talk TV. On the app, on your smart speaker, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Breaking news, uh, Mr Tice. Um, Rishi Sunak did not ask Dominic Raab to resign according to sources inside number 10, which makes it even more interesting because that means Raab has decided to take these people on. Uh, absolutely right. And I'm not surprised by that, actually. And that is the smart thing to do because he's been very supportive of the mm. Prime Minister, and he's basically, he said, I can avoid the Prime Minister having to make a difficult decision one way or the other, and instead uh, I can take on the blob, actually on behalf of the taxpayer. And it may well be that he gets quite a lot of, uh, of support mm. from his colleagues yeah. uh, within his own party uh, to um, essentially... to to demand a major, major review of yeah, this relationship. Yeah, root and branch reform root, root is branch called for. Review and reform. So I think that's really significant yeah, I think and quite so. smart by Dominic Raab. I think so. And how about this remark in summary? A lot of really good reaction coming in from our uh, viewers and listeners. We'll be bringing you all of that as well from various different political uh, independent me uh, movers and shakers as well. But Mark from Sunbury says, is it, is it time now to admit our elected officials do not have control of their departments or the country, be it the Deputy Prime Minister, Immigration and the Home Office or Police, Political Policing, and non-crime hate incidents. The middle class left rule this country and no one has voted for them. Things will only get worse as the young are indoctrinated in our education He's system. He's bang on. Mark absolutely, absolutely right. bang on. Yeah. Elected ministers are no longer in charge of this country. That is 
what Dominic Raab is saying. Yeah. He is saying that the civil servants have essentially carried out a coup of the the running of governments yeah. in this country. That's the that's the hidden message mm. behind this. And it will be fascinating to see what happens, whether Dominic Raab remains silent. And I mean, if you're talking about dem- democracy in danger, this is the day that we this find is, out, right? This is, this is essentially where this goes. Mm. And it may well be that Dominic... He, Raab's now got a choice. Either he goes quiet or uh, he actually comes out uh, fighting yeah. on behalf of the taxpayer yeah. and good government mm. and says, I'm going to make this a mission from the backbenchers. Yeah. Uh, to, to blow the lid on what's going on. And, of course, let's not forget, he's been operating across a number of different departments. Yeah, absolutely. So he's seen civil servants at work. And if he wanted to, he could really, really uh, get his own back and have a, a really significant role in what happens from here in the running well, of he's government. Well, he's been in a foreign office, which, let's face it, he got a lot of flack for because he was on holiday during the Afghan airlift, but there was only one actual operative working in the home office, in That's the foreign right. office, rather, uh, as a civil servant. They were all working from home. Uh, well, actually, no, one of his most senior civil servants in the foreign office was also on holiday at that time and did not come back right. at all for weeks. So, yeah, I think this, this story is going to run and run. Mm. It will dominate the news for days and possibly weeks The gloves weeks are now off. The gloves, the gloves are properly off. We're going to be speaking to Manira Wilson, who's a Lib Dem MP for Twickenham, coming up in a little while. Um, she's apparently talking about uh, asking for a, a by-election um, for Dominic Raab. I don't think there's any reason why oh. there should be a by-election, because he hasn't done, as far as I'm concerned, anything to trigger that. No, exactly the opposite, actually. This probably, uh, I suspect his constituents will be... Uh, will essentially probably support him to a much greater degree, mm. and the extent to which his seat may have been under risk, that mm. may turn around. Many of his uh, his constituents may say, good on you, Dominic. I was wondering how to cast my vote. I might support you to, yeah. to demand... Uh, th- this has all sorts of ramifications. Yeah. It really is absolutely... Uh, seismic and and shocking in so many ways. Yes, because let's face it, um, the, 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 the sort of the prerequisite for this report being um, ordered was that there was no ethics person inside the cabinet at the time that they wanted to do it. So they had to give it to an outside barrister who had no remit to make a judgment on whether bullying had taken place or not. All he could do was present the facts. So, I mean, whether or not the word bullying appears, I presume it must have done for Dominic Raab to do this. But we still, as I said earlier, don't know the exact details of, of the incident. Yes, and I think uh, that will come out. But uh, but in a sense, I think it's it's the other allegations he makes and the suggestion, as you say, what is the definition of bullying? But he's basically saying it's now been set so low mm. that it's no longer possible to have good, demanding, challenging government yeah. and to perform for taxpayers. That is a really, really significant moment. And frankly, I think most taxpayers, with any common sense whatsoever, mm. including everybody listening to this channel, will say that's unacceptable. We need more than that. I think we all know uh, that the government has been in thrall, in a way, to the civil service for quite a long time. Um, you know, Boris Johnson wasn't able to break through it. Priti Patel wasn't able to break through it. Now it looks like Dominic Raab hasn't been able to break through it. You know, uh, they've won again. Well, I, but, but in a sense, that's the battleground. Yeah. Because I think the taxpayer was, most taxpayers, uh, you look at public services not delivering mm. in so many different areas, and people say, well, maybe this is part of the reason. Yeah. Maybe you've got a civil service at the senior level, so spending too much time trying to undermine ministers yeah. and not enough time performing on behalf and of the people. And also, when you get salary. the question, you know, why has Brexit not happened? Why has Brexit not been done properly? 
this could be another reason why that hasn't happened, because there are people we know in uh, various different departments of, of state um, who were Remainers well, and who a, don't abs- want anything to do with Brexit. And he makes a specific allegation mm. against a senior diplomat during the Brexit negotiations yeah. over the relationship of, with Gibraltar yes. and, uh, and the European Union. So look, it's all of this stuff. This is, I mean, this literally could just be the icing on a cake mm. that... Uh, we're going to hear about and see. And yeah. there will be, of course, the civil service will fight back yeah. massively. The civil service unions will fight back. I'm surprised we haven't heard from them yet. Uh, <laughs> it's only half past I ten. Mean, you know, it is. Just they, were hoping, they were hoping to have Friday off. <laughs> you know, I'm afraid no such luck for you. But just uh, off to the side slightly, Richard, uh, I thought I'd check to see whether Dominic Raab had lost his blue tick. And rather confusingly, um, he has a grey tick. He I has a grey tick. Well, that actually means that he is a government official. Yeah. Uh, which is what a great tip. But you well, seem he to shouldn't lost... have that either, then, should he? Well, he's, uh, that he's would, not one now. That will disappear very quickly, <laughs> indeed. But but at least he does have some form of tick against his name, Mike. He you does. apparently have no tick against his name. I have no tick. Because it turns out that you've decided that you don't want to be able to send longer tweets, you don't want to be able to edit your tweets or have longer videos and pay a very yeah. modest amount of about five or six pounds a month no, to help think, Elon no, Musk to run it's a o- fantastic no, free speech over, platform. Uh, as ever, you've underestimated the amount of money involved. It's over £100 a year. Right. Maybe I negotiated a better deal than you. Maybe you did. That's entirely possible. I can't believe you didn't negotiate on behalf of your colleagues at Talk TV. But no, my view on all of this is that I've been given something for nothing. Uh, I've provided a great service. There's no service. such thing as a free lunch in Well, life. actually, there is, because I've provided uh, for free. I've given uh, Twitter an awful lot of great content, and you can go back over the course of time and find all of it. Um, not least the, uh, um, the, you know, the concrete interview. Uh, there's Richard Tice with a blue tick up there. Uh, Mike Graham without one. They took it away yesterday. I refuse to pay to provide content to uh, an online service. You know, they should be paying me. You basically want something for nothing. No. Eventually, eventually... They should be paying me. Well, look, and, and in a sense, what Musk has done is said, look, if you want a few extra bells and whistles within your service, mm. then pay for it. That's essentially what he's doing. So you can edit your tweet. Yeah. Uh, and as I say, you can do longer tweets. I don't and need videos. to edit my tweets. Is that what you... That's why you well, pay? E- even you occasionally... You even you occasionally get things wrong. And Actually... Um, by the way, while you're here on the subject of getting things wrong, I'd like to congratulate me on getting it right. Once again, Prince Harry comes to the coronation on his own. I said that months ago, and that's what's turned out to be true. Uh, that is that is the case. I think I probably led you in that direction. Really, but... <laughs> very possibly. But the thing is, I'm, 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 you've rushed into this, right? You've immediately just gone, that's it, I'm going to pay, right? However, I've no, I made all... a, I made a considered no, careful didn't. judgment because what we don't know yet, it's all it all looks great, doesn't it? When the rocket takes off, right? The rocket from Twitter goes up in the air, goes up in the air, and everybody goes, "Oh, that's a very successful launch, isn't it?" I'll pay for that, and then suddenly it explodes. Yeah, but it's, which it's, is what happened yesterday. It is indeed. But what a master, master of PR and communications to describe an explosion mm. as a rapid, unscheduled disassembly. Very I mean, good. That was absolutely Very brilliant. Good. So Employ I'm that wait person within the government. I'm, I remain to be convinced. If it turns out that you're right and Twitter does need to be paid for in order to get all the services that you say you require, then I may reconsider. But at this moment in time, I refuse to pay for something that uh, I should be uh, given no, for actually, free. No, I think we, the truth is we... we could both be right because what he's essentially doing is saying look there's a shopping list yeah you can have a basic service for free mm. and that will suit uh, the vast majority of people but if you want a few extra bells and whistles then you've got to pay for it i think that's essentially where it's going interesting that the uh, all of the other main political parties all lost their blue ticks yesterday yes the smp well, apparently the pope made... has lost his blue tick <laughs> Uh, I'm, Piers Morgan, I can't believe he hasn't got a special his own colour. That's extraordinary. Piers Morgan says that he's going to ponder uh, the possibility of keeping his blue tick, but at the moment he doesn't have one. No, he's so lost he's his. in my camp. 
right? He says he's going to make a decision no, I, about it today as to whether he's going to keep it. Unlike him to be so um, indecisive about it. I'm wondering what uh, Gary Lineker is going to be doing about it. <laughs> Very good question. Because, in fact, let me see if I can check, even as we speak, <laughs> um, whether Gary Lineker is going to... Um, oh, he's still got his blue tick. He's still, so, he's, so you're in Gary Lineker's camp. Well, he's obviously decided that he wants to do longer tweets so that he can set out his, oh, uh, his political views. We can all look forward to that. Maybe we can make him the new Deputy Prime I'm Minister. I'm surprised he hasn't got a grey tick, because he works for a government organisation. Well, well, a, non, a non-governmental organisation. Well, soon to be. Know. We shall see. Anyway, we've got to run. Uh, Richard, you'll be back on Sunday. We'll be back on Sunday. I think imagine, we'll imagine what sort of... Uh, imagine what sort of revelations could have uh, dropped by anything, Sunday? Absolutely anything can happen. We will have our ear to the ground and that may well form part of the Sunday sermon. Who knows? Don't yeah, miss it. Absolutely. Richard Tice back on Sunday. We've got loads to do. Nadine Dorries coming next. We're going to be talking as well to Isabel Oakshot later on in the show. Lots more to come. Dominic Raab has resigned, but he's going down fighting. We'll see how that goes as you talk TV. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So let's talk to Nadine Dorries, Talk TV presenter, of course, with a show tonight, uh, Friday night with Nadine. Nadine, a very good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. I mean, there's no doubt, it seems to me, from the letter that Dominic Raab has written, um, that this is the beginning of something big, that, that basically he, is, he has opened the lid on what really goes on inside the top of government departments. So, yeah, just to kind of like um, discuss some of the points of the letter and actually what's happened, Mike. I mean, the report, which was um, written and undertaken by by Tolly, by the independent barrister, KC actually, doesn't doesn't make any recommendations or findings. What he's done is said that two of the complaints he felt were worth itemising in the report. We don't know whether what his opinion of those is, whether he thinks they're, they're something which is serious enough. And we will see in due course what those two um, complaints were that have been upheld. But I think what Dominic has done, you're quite right in your assessment um, prior, to, prior to me coming on. I think that what Dominic has done is he has decided that it's a lose-lose situation for him. Whatever happened, this would be hanging around his neck. And this is a man who's been... Deputy Prime Minister and held a number of Foreign Secretary held a number of roles mm. within government. And he's probably got to the point where he's thought, you know, this is it. I'm not having my reputation impugned any further. I'm not going to have this hanging over me. I'm just going to step aside, regardless of what Rishi would have concluded from that report. But right. remember, there are no recommendations in the report. Uh, the Prime Minister has not made any any announcements as to what his opinion is regarding the report. The report simply states that only two of the complaints had any substance. Therefore, I'm I'm replicating these complaints in this report, and that is it. Yes. And num- and number, number 10 has also been very clear, uh, or at least sources inside Number 10, saying that Rishi Sunak did not ask Dominic Raab to resign. So I think you're right. I think he's taken this opportunity to just say, you know, it's better perhaps to fight this from the outside. Yeah, and whether he will fight it or not, actually, is another issue. If I were him, I wouldn't even bother. I'd just walk away. And, you know, he's a he's an intelligent and highly qualified, very experienced uh, individual. There's a whole world outside of politics. You know, we don't have to 
stay here and take the kind of abuse that MPs and ministers do. There's a whole world waiting out there for somebody as qualified as Dominic Raab. And I think probably that's the decision he and his wife and his family have taken. It's time to go. Yeah, maybe so. I mean, you've been a Secretary of State inside the Department of Digital Culture, Media and Sport. What did, what did you find the civil servants were like? I mean, how did they respond to, to the likes of you? I mean, you can, uh, you've been accused by many on the sort of left of being a bit abrasive, you know, a bit difficult. Um, I don't know if that's true. I haven't worked with you. But, but what did they say to you when you were working with them? So, look, I've got to be absolutely um, straight down the line with you about the civil servants I worked with. Um, they were absolutely fantastic. I had an amazing department. The one thing I will say is that I learned. I got to the department and it was not in a good place in mm. terms of the, the culture and the morale amongst the staff. But, you know, I, I, I'm kind of like quite old in the tooth. The one thing I've realised is that if you want to work well with people and you want people to do their best for you, you've got to value them and respect them and yeah. work with them and let them know their value and, and respect and that you're really interested in them and work with them. And what, you know, within a year in my department, we were literally knocking out the park. We had five bills coming out at the end of a year. And that's because I, I, I made it my business and I got there to turn that culture around and to work with them. And I don't think it helps, to be honest, Mike. And this is no, you know, this is not a dig at you. But when you're a minister, it doesn't help to constantly keep digging at the civil service or mm. referring to them as the blob, because these people are far more qualified than many ministers and many MPs, many of the people within the civil service actually are really professional and really dedicated, and the country simply would not run without them. So I, I understand where you're coming from because there are elements, you know, there are departments within the civil service where I would never work. I would never go into education. I would never work in the Home Office. That for reasons that you probably um, can articulate far better than I'm able to as I'm still an MP. Yeah. But there are departments I would never have accepted a job in. Well, let's, well, let's not forget, I mean, no, listen, I, I take your point and I'm sure, I mean, it's a huge number of people in the civil service and I'm certainly not suggesting that they're all completely and utterly anti-Tory and, and not very good at their jobs, that would be mad. However, in um, uh, Dominic's letter, he also says that there were a number of improprieties that came to light during the course of the inquiry and he basically uh, suggests that there was coercive removal by a senior official of dedicated private secretaries from his Ministry of Justice private office. He talks about fabricated claims being leaked to the media. You know, there are clearly inside the D Department of Justice, certainly anyway, um, people that he thinks are not doing their jobs properly. Absolutely. And it's not just within his department. It's across the civil service. It's, it's deep within the heart of Number 10. It's across Westminster. There's this culture which has become one of leaking briefing um, and coercion is one which I think has, has taken a grip across Westminster. Mm. So Dominic's touching the tip of the iceberg when he talks about that, but it's very real, and what he's saying is very true, and it does exist. And the government finally worse off without Dominic Raab, do you think? Um, so, you know, just let me... Yes, of course, I'm definitely going to say that. But let's just look at Dominic Raab for a second. Dominic, Darby, Dominic Raab is a very well-qualified lawyer. And in my experience, lawyers always speak in a certain way, um, act in a certain way. And and they, you know, if you want to have a chat around the water cooler, don't go and talk to someone who's, you know, been an ex-lawyer and is now a, a Secretary of State, because you're not going to get the chit-chat, because that person is a completely ambitious, dedicated and um, focused individual. So Dominic did have a certain style, absolutely. And you know, even his ministers will say, you know, he's not the kind of bloke that you invite around to dinner parties mm. or you're not gonna make friends with him at work. But he was very focused on the job and the delivery 
And perhaps, you know, the HR skills that went around that weren't actually something that he'd been imbued with through his previous working life as a lawyer. So, you know, Dominic was a personality type. Um, is, you know, uh, what's happened to him? Is that, is that, does that justify, you know, is it by his, is it justified by his, his, his demeanor and his personality? Well, that's the question, you know, others have to answer, but you're not going to get, and I think, so I, I just, to, just to piggyback that, I think sometimes, you know, Dominic spoken brusquely to me in the past, but mm. then I've, I've I've clocked that he's realised that and he's gone out of his way to be particularly nice afterwards. And I think he real I think he knows in himself his background as a lawyer and as somebody who like pushes things through and wants to deliver, sometimes can work against him. Does that cross into the to the realms of bullying? Well, you know, I don't think so, but we will see what the the report is going to be published. We'll know what those complaints were that that Tolly felt it was worth itemizing the report. But it but do bear in mind all of the complaints were, apart from two, were completely mm. found worthy of putting into the report. Yes. And that says a lot. I think it absolutely does. And I think we can probably both agree that the bar has now been set pretty low. But Nadine, great to see you, uh, see you tonight, eight o'clock, uh, Friday night with Nadine Dorries. Don't miss it. Uh, this is Talk TV, of course. Uh, we're going to go live now uh, to Oliver Miocic, uh, Oliver Whitfield Miocic. He's outside the Houses of Parliament. Dominic Raab has resigned. Are the foundations shaking, uh, I suppose, would be the first question, Oliver. Not quite yet, Mike, I'd say, but the arguments are probably going to just start kicking off because there is going to be that huge war of words between the civil service and the blame that might be apportioned to them for what has happened to Dominic Raab. But I think other people will say that the Prime Minister was right to do what he did. Remember, this isn't the first bullying scandal that has ever rocked Westminster before. There's been allegations of sleaze, of sexual abuse, of workers being bullied. It's gone right to the top of previous governments as well. Gordon Brown is said to have gotten quite angry on occasion with some of his staffers. I think that's going to be the very fine balance that people will be looking for here. The right for people to go to work and not face any sort of bullying culture, but also there will be people on the other side of the argument that say that the civil service should not be the ones who get to decide the fate of ministers. That's something that seems to be hinted in Dominic Raab's resignation letter. Yes, he says that if there was any sign that there was bullying to be found in this independent report that was commissioned, then he would have to go. But in the next breath, he seems to be saying that because the bar has been set so low when it comes to bullying allegations, he sees that as a dangerous precedent and something that could then lead to spurious claims in future. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, Nadine Dorry's saying she thinks that, uh, that Dominic Raab should just walk away, uh, shouldn't take on uh, the blob, as some people call it, uh, shouldn't take on these people who have more or less uh, forced him out. Um, I wonder whether he will, though, uh, because his letter seems pretty fiery. His resignation letter doesn't look as if he's going to just walk away and, and, and throw his hands in the air. And of course, there is also that potential other option that we might see Dominic Raab in a future cabinet. It has not been unheard of before where cabinet ministers have gone for various scandals or indiscretions and then only a few months later made a reappearance. I think in this instance, Rishi Sunak had to be seen to have done something because of all of the previous sleaze allegations that have hit the Tory uh, government over the past mm. few years that in some instances this had to be a call for change. However, 
Downing Street sources are saying that they were not involved, that there was no direct communication or indeed any demand for Dominic Raab to stand down. So far, no word officially yet from Downing Street, but I'm pretty sure that position will have to change as more journalists call in with questions about exactly how Dominic Raab came to lose his position in government. Yes, and as we speak, um, Oliver, uh, behind you there's a sort of crowd gathering, I suppose, because we're beginning uh, the fourth, the first day of four uh, of what I've described as days of action. Uh, this is the big one they're calling Extinction Rebellion, Just Stop Oil. I know you've been on earlier talking to them. Um, what's the atmosphere like down there? Yeah, the atmosphere is pretty good, I've got to say, Mike. There's people here who've got drums out. Just behind us is the Greenpeace stand. In just under an hour's time, they're getting ready to host a yoga session. It's not going to be Bikram <laughs> yoga by any stretch of the imagination because it's pouring down with rain. It's absolutely frigid. But, you know, people here are in good spirits. Extinction Rebellion say that they are not out to cause people disruption this time round. But earlier on, I was speaking to a representative from Just Stop Oil. Now, remember... They were the ones who interrupted the snooker at the Crucible earlier on this week and there has been great questions about whether they're going to target the London Marathon. Now, when I was speaking to one of their activists, she said that the London Marathon would not be targeted. But when I was asking about the two other big football fixtures that are happening at Wembley this weekend, namely the two FA Cup semi-finals, that's when things got a little bit murkier. So, it looks like the London Marathon is safe for the moment. The football... Not too sure. Yeah, interesting times. Well, Oliver, listen, we'll be back to you soon, I'm sure. Oliver Whitfield-Mirchich, their Talk TV's reporter in Westminster, live outside the House of Parliament, keeping an eye on things because uh, the weather ain't too good for the old eco-warriors. They're going to be out there uh, demonstrating, supposedly uh, holding hands, doing a bit of yoga, but it's not very nice in the cold and it's not very nice in the wet what I'm going to do now, though, uh, is tell you a couple of things uh, from Gabby. She says, I think government needs to follow the USA and bring their own civil servants when they get into office to make sure government policies are implemented. Civil servants should not be the ones to get rid of elected government ministers. 0344 499 1000 is the number. Coming up, we're going to speak to Bill Wiggett, Conservative MP for North Herefordshire. This is Talk TV. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Uh, extraordinary events this morning. At 10 to 10, uh, Dominic Raab resigned as Deputy Prime Minister uh, of Rishi Sunak's government. He quit the cabinet following the conclusion of an inquiry into bullying allegations. Um, Rishi Sunak, according to sources inside Number 10, did not ask Dominic Raab to resign. But in his letter of resignation, uh, he questions an awful lot uh, of the allegations. He says that only two of the more than 20 allegations were upheld. He also says uh, that it sets a very low bar for the definition of bullying and he now says that is a very dangerous precedent and it could have a chilling effect, his words, on those driving change on behalf of your government, he said to Rishi Sunak, and ultimately the British people. Let's talk to Sir Bill Wigan MP, uh, Conservative for North Herefordshire. Uh, Sir Bill, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning, Mike. Wonderful to be on your show. Very nice Mike. of you to join us. Thank you very much indeed. Does this signal some kind of um, opening of the of the Pandora's box, if you like, that we now find out that the civil servants of this country are really the ones that are running it? Well, I think the first thing to say is that Dominic set up the inquiry and he therefore felt duty bound to follow exactly what uh, the findings were. Mm. And I think that that makes him an honourable man rather than a bully. 
However, I know that political opponents will try and maximise the uh, value of this. And, and I think what it's really going to trigger is an in-depth look at the civil service, because I know as, a, as an MP that when I get letters back saying things that we've promised as politicians are going to happen, then they... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Don't. Mm. The public don't really understand quite how powerful the civil service is and how determined it is quite often to thwart what the elected government wants to do. And, and therefore, I think we are going to need to look at this. And this is the sort of final uh, nail in that particular coffin mm. because because we cannot have senior cabinet members being accused of bullying and then removed from office. It's it's not that's not how well, right. I mean, what uh, we need it to should s- work. And also what we need to see, and I don't know whether Dominic Raab has it within his gift to release it. Surely what we need to see is, is the two allegations that were upheld because he says it's a very low bar. He denies throwing anything at anyone. He denies swearing or shouting at anyone uh, in the time, the four and a half years that uh, that he's been in government. Um, he says that uh, he didn't offend anyone. He didn't cause anybody any unintended stress. So what on earth are these two instances that have been upheld and, and how serious are they? Yes, I think that's a really important point, and I, I agree with you because actually none of us would accept bullying. It, it's not, it's not, um, it's not, a, it's not all right. But then, when you and I probably think about bullying, we're in the Flashman style uh, of real horrible torture, rather than um, a, you know, a sarky comment or whatever the low bar that Dominic's referred to in his letter really is. Mm. So, yes, we we need to know what that means. And and we shouldn't uh, accept or condone bullying in, a, in any form. But at the same time, if you're going to shout, you're bullying me, how will you ever be able to do an aggressive radio interview? And how oh, there, there's a common sense barrier here between well, being tough enough to stand up for yourself and being bullied. Yes, I think people use the word bullying um, as a shield in some ways, you know. If you're, not very good, if you're not very good at your job and somebody starts criticising you, you, go, oh, you're bullying me, and everybody suddenly takes a step back and, and a, a sharp intake of breath then follows. They go, oh, I can't be accused of that because that's terrible. That's an awful thing. But, I mean, you know, you guys work yeah. in a pretty robust business when you're trying to make change uh, in government but also in civil service departments, which have maybe uh, been a bit sort of lacklustre over time. You've come in as a new minister. Surely to heaven you are enabled to be reasonably sort of um, provocative at times, possibly a little bit, uh, you know, sort of steadfast, forthright, all of those words that would suggest that you are a decent leader. 
And, you know, I take the point that, yes, you have to take people with you and you have to be inclusive and all of yeah. that. But nevertheless, you're the guy that gets it in the neck if it goes wrong. So you're entitled to expect proper performance from everybody else, aren't you? That, that's, that's right. But at the same time, um, I think that, uh, you know, we all have a right to be treated with respect. And that's why I think that uh, you were you were right earlier when you said you really need to see what what the allegations really are. Mm. Um, uh, my, my suspicion is that, um, well, certainly one of the changes I'd like to see is that there is a depoliticization of the civil service. And what that means is that until you are a deputy director, you do not have to declare your political neutrality. Yes. And so you will see in the civil service people who are politically active. And in Dominic's letter, he refers to uh, you know, some diplomats who breached the mandate set by the cabinet. And that's what made him cross. So uh, I, I'm not sure it should be for, for the cabinet member to uh, tick off his department. That that probably should come through the permanent secretary. But at the same time, uh, you know, what? how can we possibly allow a finger pointing and, and, and accusations of being mean to each other to be a reason to remove people from office? And if we do allow it, then... I'm amazed Gordon Brown would have survived as long as he did as Prime Minister. Well, maybe he did because it was a different time, because I was asking the question to Richard Tice this morning, is this the advent now of sort of wokery in the civil service, that, you know, you have to, you know, run away if you if you, if you you raise your voice in any, in any way, shape or form, or if you are in any way, you know, sort of rather stringent uh, with somebody because they haven't done their job properly, or if you call somebody at home uh, because they failed to do what they were supposed to do while they were still at the office? I think also people need to say, I'm feeling bullied, before they just go go and complain right you know, if if you're if you're yelling at me mike and we're, we're battling out on the radio and and i suddenly say to you mike stop you, you you've gone too far yeah then then being a gentleman you probably would yeah and 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 i think that we can diffuse these bullying situations but what i'm seriously worried about is the sneaky stuff mm. where people go behind your back and say oh yeah. he bullied me well what about all these people yeah. all these people whose, right. whose complaints have not been upheld you know there's more than 20 of them what's going to happen to them surely there should be some form of retribution uh, for that because they've made what are now seemingly unfounded allegations about a minister of state i would take that as quite a serious problem i think i think you're right that they really do need to be properly investigated because were they motivated by uh, personal hurt or political um, you know gain and therefore once we move from this being a, a human to human issue and becomes party political mm. and and governmental then then we need to treat it very differently um, but i think the the important lesson from dominic's tenure in office he's an excellent minister and he's an honorable gentleman and and this is a really unpleasant and and, and horrible slur on that yes and and i think it's a great shame but he he has he has done the right thing by stepping down because obviously uh, th there was something in that report that, that didn't read right. No, quite. OK, well, we need to find out what that is. So, Bill Wigan, thank you very much indeed. Coming up next, Isabel Oakeshott's going to join us. She'll get her take on this bullying uh, accusation because there are two accusations. We don't know what they are. We'll find out what they are in due course. This is Talk TV. On the app, on your smart speaker, Talk Radio and Talk TV.
Welcome back to the Independent Republican, Mike Graham, right here on Talk TV. Dominic Raab has resigned as Deputy Prime Minister. Uh, for those of you uh, who have just woken up uh, out of a torporous sleep, uh, the decision is flawed, he says, and sets dangerous precedent. That's what he says about the report, which has helped upheld two complaints, 8.5% of those against him. There were over 22 complaints, of course, about him. Uh, Mike, I've worked in jobs where I disagreed with the boss. I bit my tongue until I found a new job. These civil servants are there to do a job. If they are not up to it, they should leave with no payouts. That's from Tony in Barrow in Furness. Uh, you need to get rid of Sunak, not Rob, the last excellent member of the government. And I was a conservative, says Helen in Market Drayton. Uh, we're going to speak to Ella Whelan in a moment. Piers Morgan, you just saw there talking to Gina Miller, who said that uh, he called Dominic Rob called her a nasty name. Uh, Piers says this today on the uh, subject of the resignation. It's so hard to imagine Dominic Rob being a bully when you read his snarling, rage-filled, unapologetic, bitter, twisted, blame-shifting, treacherous resignation letter. Um, so I guess you think he's right to have resigned then, Piers, do you? Uh, we'll be talking to Tom Newton-Dunn coming up a little bit later on as well. And also uh, a Lib Dem MP, uh, Manira Wilson, who's calling for Dominic Raab not only to have resigned from his position as Deputy Prime Minister, but also as an MP to force a by-election. Let's see what that's all about. Uh, but let's talk to Ella Whelan, uh, who is, of course, a columnist at Spikes Online, friend of the show. Ella, very good morning to you. Morning. Um, a lot of uh, excitement in the Westminster village about Dominic Raab. I mean, it didn't look like he was going to resign last night. People were speculating that, uh, in fact, the, the reason that, that nothing had happened straight away was because there probably wasn't much in the report. Until we see the report, obviously, we can't really know what the instances of, of so-called bullying were. Um, but he felt like he had to go. Well, it, do, it does all feel a bit weird. You know, Dominic Raab is someone who has been adamant from the start, quite bullish, actually, in saying this is all a load of nonsense yeah. and I won't go. And so for him to have um, given up, it seems, overnight on that, I suppose it might lead you to think that there's something else going on. I mean, who knows? This kind of uh, internal turmoil within the Conservative Party is so boring at this point. Yeah. I mean, how many scandals and infighting and investigations can one party take before all the rest of us just want to switch off? I mean, it's not even, you know, the, the point is someone like Dominic Rubb has a political track record that is worth picking apart. I mean, I think that he should be held to account for his actions or lack of action um, around the removal of troops from and people from Afghanistan and the mess that was made in Kabul, I you know I think that's far more important than finding out whether or not he, uh, you know, shouted at some civil servants. I mean, the guy doesn't, uh, uh, you know, probably, I think most people can make a general assessment on his perceived personality and say maybe he's not the kindest of men to work under, but. Um, I think that matters so much less than actually holding politicians to account for the actions they take that affect the rest of us. I mean, I might I might feel very sorry for myself in a serious way if I was one of the civil servants who was aggrieved by it. But politicians are meant to be accountable to the public. And I think all this kind of infighting and resignations here or there doesn't do democracy any justice. I don't think it does. But the other problem for democracy, though, if in, in, if what uh, Dominic Raab says in his resignation letter is true, is that there's an awful lot going on in government, which goes on behind the scenes, which goes on in departments of state, which are run by civil servants rather than politicians. And if what he's alleging is true, i.e. people making uh, leaks out of inquiries that they shouldn't have, 
people suggesting things um, to the media that have turned out not to be true at all. Um, and it also, you know, senior officials moving people around despite whatever the minister wants. I mean, that's not democratic either, is it? Well, no, there, there is something going on within the civil service. And, you know, that used to, everybody should always say that with the proviso of a similar thing about when we talk about the police or anything like that. There are obviously plenty of very good people who work in that, who are dedicated to their job. One of my friends is a civil servant and she works very hard. Um, there's no doubt about that. But there is, you know, the question about political bias or um, sort of manoeuvring within the civil service is one that I think should be investigated. We talked about it at the Battle of Ideas Festival last year mm. because, you know, there are... Um, things like the way in which Brexit was handled. I've just spent the last 48 hours talking about Brexit. I can't believe I'm bringing it up again. But the way in which <laughs> Brexit has been handled, um, both by you know, primarily by politicians from all, all parties, but including the way in which it was dealt with um, within the civil service, I think probably to most people ra made them raise some eyebrows in terms of the way in which that was handled. There's also questions about, you know, things like I hear from people who work within the civil service, things like um, discussions about trans ideology or gender and mm. sex is certainly not unbiased within the civil service. No. Discussions about... Um, you know, racism, um, white privilege, you know, race in general, that's not unbiased. All these things are contentious political issues where, wherever you stand on them. Um, those certainly are uh, discussions that are being had with civil servants or rules that are being mm. imposed on civil servants. Things like um, stuff related to uh, climate change and environmentalism. And, you know, th there's a lot of stuff that people, you know, we, we like to point at one political issue and say, oh, that's biased. You must be impartial on that. But then we let a lot of others slide. And I think there's something like that happening within the civil service where I suppose I'd ask the question, why aren't we able to maintain a kind of a sense of public service within it and i think yeah. probably most of the fault comes down to the current government because you have to have if you're going to work under a minister they have to be inspiring they have to know what they're doing they have to have good ideas for you to get behind and get excited about mm. so i actually feel very sorry for a lot of civil servants yeah. at the moment working under this lot well, also, I mean, some of the civil servants, um, I was talking to Lean Dorries earlier, I mean, they're not all useless. They're not all working from home. They're not all, you know, lefties and yeah. uh, and, and pretending that, uh, you know, they don't really like the government. However, there are clearly some people in fairly senior levels of the civil service uh, who don't like Tory policies on certain things. We know, for example, in the Home Office, um, you know, there's pictures that we can all see which have been posted of uh, a load of people standing on the signs that say, refugees, welcome. We also know that the Home Office um, Civil Service Union is actually suing the government over its own policy, over um, uh, illegal migrants. And so you suddenly find yourself going, well, hang on a minute, surely while you walk into the building and to do the work in the Home Office, you have to carry out what is Secretary of State for the Home Office's uh, policies. Indeed, in a democracy and in the way in which we run politics at the moment, you are supposed to have civil servants that are dedicated to carrying out the tasks of uh, their ministers. Yes, whatever they believe about it but these these kind of i think the interesting thing about the kind of moment we're living in is that so much of political debate whether it's just you know debates about immigration which i'd really like to have um uh, about the way in which this i think this government is completely mishandling mm. immigration policy those are things that need to be had out in the public square places like the battle of ideas festival yeah. there's another plug but you know you know genuinely among citizens that then gets fed back into what politicians do. But increasingly, I think we see, particularly of the issue of immigration, um, these debates happen, you know, are decided by, you know, 
judges, for example, or civil servants, or you know, or in, indeed in backroom kind of discussions where you know within our own politicians. I'm thinking of Rishi Sunak's Windsor framework. You yeah. know, think completely taken away from the um the demos the people who are meant to be at the heart of politics um the average joe and jane you know the citizen and i think that's a real the real problem for politics because the more this gets taken away from us the more cynical i think people feel mm. about politics in general and that's that and the more they switch off and that is never a good thing no, I think that's absolutely right. Ella, thanks very much indeed. Ella Whelan, uh, columnist at Spikes online there, giving her view uh, of the whole situation. And maybe you feel like she does, uh, that this is just another development uh, in a government which isn't really working terribly well. Um, because here they are now without a deputy prime minister. Tom Newton Dunn's going to be here shortly. We're going to talk to Manira Wilson, uh, who's Liberal Democrat MP for Twickenham as well. Uh, because the other question that we haven't asked yet is what happens now uh, inside the cabinet? Who becomes a deputy prime minister? Uh, who becomes a justice minister? Who fills in... Uh, uh, for the empty shoes now left behind by Dominic Raab. We'll bring you all of that coming soon. Plus your calls as well. 0344 499 1000. This is Talk TV. On your mobile, on your wavelengths, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Dominic Raab has resigned as Deputy Prime Minister this morning at 10 to 10, just in time for my show. Uh, it's always good to do a show at 10 o'clock because that's when it all happens, it would seem. Uh, but a man who does the show at the other 10 o'clock, Tom Newton Dundown, joins me, first edition host. How are you? Good, Mike. Very, very good morning to you. Um, I wasn't expecting this, I must say. You know, after it sort of went into last night, I was yeah. listening to your show last night on the way home and talking about the sort of impossible runners and riders for Deputy Prime Minister. And I was of the opinion then, I thought, you know what's going to happen? We're going to not, they don't do often much on a Friday. They'll sort of let it sit through the weekend. We'll see what the Sunday papers do. And then maybe they'll see what the sort of temperature of the country is. But were you surprised this morning when he resigned? To be honest, I was surprised I didn't get in time for my programme last night. <laughs> not yes. at all disappointed. No, of course not. I'm delighted you get it. Not Listen, us, Mike. Not at all. Now, um, no, I wasn't surprised, to mm. be honest. Uh, I think it was definitely going to happen today. Uh, it was going to happen within 24 hours mm. anyway. Y you can't just sit on something like this. A report like this, fine. It was a narrative report. It didn't go into, it, d it wasn't categorical that he was a bully or not. That was always going to be a decision mm. for the Prime Minister. But it was there in black and white. It was a decision that simply had to be made. I'm a little surprised it didn't happen by last night. Yes, really. quite an extraordinary letter, though. I mean, a very yeah. sort of firm and, and, and sort of fairly sort of full of anger letter, you would say, written by somebody as Piers Morgan said. You can't imagine being a bully writing a letter like that. Do you know what? Uh, I was going to tweet that this morning. Mm. And I thought, no, I'll just sort of sit back and maybe that's a bit pugnacious. And uh, I need to be an independent sort of yes. presenter, balance or But yeah. no, Piers just wait straight <laughs> in there. But he's right because... Rob, when ministers resign from the government, and we, we've seen quite a few over the last few years, they've got two ways of going out. One is gracefully accepting, if not all the findings of the report, that there has been a transgression for which they apologise, they stand behind the Prime Minister and will serve law in the backbenchers. That means they're saying, I'd like to come back, please. And, and chances are they probably do. Two yeah. or three years, you serve out your time. Rob has taken the alternative route, which we saw with Nadine Zahabi when he resigned, yeah. of saying, I reject all of this. It's a complete stitch up. It's completely unfair. And therefore, I'm out of here. And this letter is a fascinating read. It is one of the most interesting resignation mm. letters I think I've read for a number of reasons for, for us political anoraks, Mike, yeah. who obsess over these things and frame them and put them on our bedroom walls right. and read back repeatedly. For a number of reasons, he gives some... Interesting facts, you may say are cherry-picked, such as there are only two accusations were stood up by Adam Tolley. Yes. There were eight, remember, he was investigating. We're still to see the full Tolley report. Mm. The government are going to publish that. We'll go through that with a fine-tooth comb. That's interesting. He makes a series 
of accusations against the civil service, not just for leaking, briefing against him, etc., but also he accuses one senior diplomat of uh, going against a cabinet mm. mandate on the Brexit negotiations over Gibraltar. That's pretty interesting. Uh, he says he's sorry if he caused some upset, but I think the most interesting part of all this is what is and, and is going to be read as a direct attack on the Prime Minister, yes. because it's the Prime Minister who had to sit and arbitrate over this report, as we've said, Adam Tolley just simply wrote down and established the facts. It was the Prime Minister and nobody else whose job it was to say yeah. this is or isn't bullying. So when Dominic Raab says he has set the bar very low, or mm. the inquiry has set the bar very low, which will encourage spurious complaints against ministers and have a chilling effect on those driving change on the path of your government, he means the Prime Minister. Yes. And the final payoff, which is uh, one of the most... Uh, it's the only graceful thing uh, in this letter, but it's, it is quite beautifully done. I remain supportive of you... As supportive as I was when I first introduced you at your campaign leadership launch last July. In other words, just you remember, and the whole world will now remember, it was me standing by you. I'm your first and most loyal ally. Look what you've just done to me. Indeed. And I've just received in my hands here a little letter from Rishi Sunak in response to Dominic um, and his resignation letter, uh, in which he basically writes quite lengthily about all the things that Dominic Raab did. But I suppose... um, he talks about in, 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 in one paragraph, when formal complaints about your conduct in different ministerial posts were submitted last year, I appointed at your request an independent investigator to conduct a full investigation into the specific facts. He talks about uh, you uh, had rightly undertaken to resign if the report made any findings of bullying whatsoever. You have kept your word. But it's still a bit woolly about mm. what the actual allegations are. And seemingly, um, from what we were told this morning, I don't know what you've heard, but that, that he was not, Rishi Sinnott did not actually ask him to resign. He took it upon himself to do it. So I, I think that is the narrative being put out. Yeah. Uh, I don't believe that. Do you that. think that's not true? No, I don't. And, and I think it's quite straightforward. Mm. If you have a resignation letter like this, uh, where you make it plainly clear, you utterly reject every charge put against you and utterly reject the central mm. tenet, which yes. is you are a bully, you don't resign. He simply resigned. I think we can we can fairly sure about that because the only alternative was to be sacked. Mm. Uh, and that is a, a deep humiliation. Yes. And so does this leave Rishi Sunak looking weaker or stronger after this? I don't think Rishi Sunak was ever going to come out of this one uh, with any glory whatsoever. Oh. He was down if he did. He was down if he didn't. If he kept Dominic Raab, he'd have the entirety of the civil service, uh, quite a large chunk of the media yeah. going after him. And and let's face it, it's not a great look in front of the British public to keep on a man we know to be an abrasive minister. Mm. Like Isabella Oakeshott, I've known yeah. Dominic Raab for a long time. I find him quite personable and charming, but then again, he's pretty charming to political journalists. He's definitely abrasive. Yes. He's definitely got a strong manner. There's something a bit odd about him uh, as well. His nickname in government is, is Psycho. And all of that would have played out. And as, Psycho. As Kay McCann. That's quite an interesting point, isn't it? Well, well Dean Dorries, when I asked her, uh, is the government worse off without him? Mm. I mean, she, looked, she went around a very long route to sort of more mm. or less describe him as a bit of an oddball. No, the other thing, he's got no supporters on, on, on the front bench in the House of Commons. Mm. I did hear a fascinating story, which I can share Please with you, do. Mike, yesterday, from a, from a former minister told yeah. to him by a, a serving minister over Dominic Raab's oddness. So uh, when he was Foreign Secretary, he shared a plane with another very senior member of the cabinet, who mm. I better not name. Uh, every time he took that plane, the RAF flight, the 147, whatever it was, uh, he would insist, with the senior cabinet minister having taken it before him, he would insist the RAF deep cleaned it. Really? From top to bottom. God only knows how much that costs the British taxpayer. Yeah. Why would you, you do that? It, it's a, he is a, a talented minister, mm. let's say that. You know, he has pushed a lot of stuff through. He's been through the, the Brexit wars and you know, he, he is a deliverer. He is personally a difficult human being, a difficult mm. man to work with and clearly abrasive. That is a difficult thing to sell to the British people why you have kept him on. At the same time, 
got a lot of Tory MPs, Bob Seeley, one of them was on my programme last night saying, mm. I don't want him fired. Right. I want him to stay on. I don't want the civil service to dictate who's in the government. That's the job of the Prime Minister. Right. So I think it was a really finely balanced decision. Rishi Sunak, I think, has come down on the side of what he personally thinks is right and what personally he thinks he can sell to the British yeah. people. And Labour, of course, said, well, he should have done this sooner. He should have got rid of him sooner. But mm. he couldn't really do that without having seen the report, could he? No. And also, I as frustrated it didn't happen until my programme last night. <laughs> really frustrated. But actually, I think this is quite a good look. So if he was to summarily call him and fire him within three hours of receiving mm. what we think is still a very long report, we're still going to get this whole thing and we'll read through it. It, it would have looked a bit like summary justice. Tory MPs would have been a bit fed up. I think everybody inside Westminster, if not the media, wanted due diligence and due process to have been served here. He's given it 24 hours. He's waited overnight. And it looks like a considered decision now to clearly ask Dominic Raab to yeah. resign rather than something taken, potentially panicked into it by a revolting civil service. And of course, as you know, as well as I do from the newspaper days that we both shared, um, it'll be great fun working on a Sunday newspaper. They'll have to do some work on a Friday and Saturday instead of just putting in all the stuff that they prepared earlier. Well, here's the thing, Mike, and this is a point made by Kate McCann, our political editor, mm. on, on the, our programme last night. Just imagine if the Prime Minister has stood behind Dominic Raab and said, I get all this, I see all this report, but do you know what? It's not bullying and you're a good man, I want you to stay on. Then the Sunday newspapers dug as they dug mm. and dig yeah. and came up with yet another pretty bombshell allegation of bullying. It was all over the front page of the yeah. Sunday Times, the Mail Sunday on Sunday. That would have made my Prime Minister look yes, pretty awful. It would, and I guess that's why this has all happened. But stay where you are, if you would, please, Tom, because we're going to talk to, now live down to College Green to speak to Manira Wilson, uh, who is Lib Dem MP, of course, at Twickenham. Manira, a uh, very good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks very much for joining us. I know it's a bit noisy down there uh, with all the, um, yeah, the eco-activists, but uh, what do you make of what's happened this morning um, and what's the, the Lib Dem view of it? Well, Dominic Raab's clearly shown he's unfit to be a minister and I think he's unfit to be a member of parliament. He should be resigning, standing down as an MP and causing a by-election so that the people of Easter and Walton can have their say and actually get an MP who doesn't take them for granted and who treats members of staff with respect. Why do you think he's unfit to be an MP? Well, I believe the report's just been published and there are references in there to intimidating and aggressive behaviour. Let's not forget this is a five-month-long investigation by a respected barrister, a KC, who's an expert in employment law, uh, and he has found... He has found two findings against Dominic Raab, which has triggered this resignation. I don't think somebody like that should be in public office serving uh, the people of this country. Well, he says in his letter that there has been no finding whatsoever uh, that he swore or shouted at anyone, that he didn't throw anything at anyone, he didn't physically intimidate anyone, and he didn't intentionally seek to belittle anyone. So I, I like you, I haven't actually seen the specifics of the allegations that, he's been, that have been upheld. Um, he says it's a very low bar. I'm not sure what the bullying actually is. Do you know? Oh, well, no, but uh, if his threshold is throwing things at people and swearing at people, I would say that's completely unacceptable. And if that's the threshold, then I suspect there's something uh, fairly serious in there because that's a high threshold, which I wouldn't even uh, dream uh, of behaving like that or expect anybody in any workplace to behave in that way. And uh, that's a pretty high bar. But I think what we need to focus on now here is what Rishi Sunak knew when. Let's not forget 
Uh, Dominic Raab's been one of his most trusted, loyal lieutenants right from the get-go. He was there throughout his leadership campaign last summer, by his side, even when everybody knew he was going to lose. Clearly, he felt he had a debt to pay. Why did he put Dominic Raab in the position of Deputy Prime Minister and Justice Secretary uh, if, if he was aware of anything? So I think Rishi Sunak's got some serious questions to answer. Let's not forget, he promised us integrity and accountability. Well, that claim is in shreds now. He's, he's lost three cabinet ministers in six months uh, over various uh, allegations. Well, isn't that because he's done what he said he would do? But to go back just briefly to uh, the throwing things and shouting at people, the only reason he says that is because he was accused of that uh, in various leaked um, uh, pieces of, of, of information from the inquiry, which he also says um, is a breach of ministerial and uh, civil service codes of conduct. So he's only saying those things. He's not saying that's the bar. He's saying he didn't do any of it. And it turns out that he was right. He didn't do any of it. Well, look, as I said before, we've had two findings out of a five month long independent investigation by a King's Council barrister who is a specialist in this area. I don't think he would have found two findings against Dominic Raab if there wasn't something serious to, to find there. So I, that's enough for me to say that he shouldn't be uh, in, in that role of a Member of Parliament. The people of Easter and Walton deserve somebody better. And frankly, this government has just been rocked by allegation after allegation. It's just scandal after scandal. People want uh, the government focused on the issues this country cares about, like the cost of living, the NHS, sewage, the state of our schools. So uh, I'd really like uh, government to get back, the ministers to get back to governing and running the country in the interest of the people rather than just worrying about their own electoral chances. Shouldn't you be calling for a general election then rather than just a local one in uh, Well Asia? yeah, I'd be delighted to have a general election tomorrow uh, but uh, until such time as there is, called, uh, there is one called, we need uh, one in Easter and Walton and believe me it's a next door constituency to me uh, I was out there knocking on doors just last week and Dominic Raab's constituents don't have a great deal of faith in him either and I say that having spoken to some lifelong Conservative voters on the doorstep who want to see the back of him too. Okay Manira thank you very much indeed Manira Wilson MP live from College Green there with a fair amount of uh, activity going on behind her because don't forget this is the first day of four days of action uh, by the eco warriors uh, up and down uh, the country who have all decided to coagulate in London apparently not to disrupt the London Marathon, uh, maybe to help to choose the next Deputy Prime Minister, which I suppose is the next order of business with Tom Newton-Dunn, uh, who's here with me. Tom, I know you spoke about this last night uh, on your own show, First Edition. Who is likely to emerge and will it happen today as far as the next uh, Deputy Prime Minister of, uh, of this government is concerned? Potentially there are two jobs, to, well there are two jobs to be filled, mm. Justice Secretary, which is Dominic Raab's main job, and Deputy Prime Minister. I think we've got to take them uh, apart because... They need a Justice Secretary. You need one. It's one of the big constitutional offices. One will be appointed within an hour or two, I'd suggest. Right. Good chance to be a woman, really talented women, lawyers in the Cabinet. Uh, uh, Lucy Fraser, the Culture Secretary, uh, Prentice, mm. the Attorney General, uh, one or two others. So someone like that. The Deputy PM job is a, a bit more interesting there. You kind of need a deputy PM because you need someone to fill in for you in PMQs. Right. That's really the only actual reason. You can always appoint someone. You can always right. ask your chancellor to do it or, or something like that. Mm. So he doesn't actually need to appoint deputy PM. Uh, I wrote a column in the Sunday Times, Mike, a couple of weeks ago, yeah. saying, uh, predicting there might be an opportunity coming up, might be a vacancy in, in government. And it would be a good one for Rishi Sunak to fill the post of deputy PM uh, by a marquee appointment. Someone 
the opposite of him socially, someone who could detoxify his vast wealth because people see that, people yes. know that, and it is a negative for him, right. not least because he likes to wear it uh, quite often, his cashmere hoodies, yes. you know, his Prada shoes on yes, building indeed. sites, etc. So I suggested maybe it'd be a good idea to appoint a deputy PM, not like him at all, a woman, someone from the School of Hard Knocks, someone went to Comprehensive, someone without the silver spoon, which he's had in every possible orifice for most of his life, yeah. uh, who could detoxify him, to which he could govern together, and they could sort of govern as a team. There are a couple of women in the cabinet who fit that description. There are four, in fact. If I was him, I might wait a few months. I might not appoint today, keep it separate, keep it as a marquee appointment, which everyone can then focus on and get excited about, because mm. all we're going to be talking about today is Dominic Raab. September reshuffle, in the run-up to the general election, you're building your general election team now. That might be an interesting time to do it. Could well be. Tom, looking forward to it. Thank you very much indeed. Tom Newton Dunn, um, we've got some breaking news for us. The report has just this minute been published. Yes. Uh, it is very long. It's 48 pages long. Uh, I'm not going to read it all out on air now, Mike, yeah. <laughs> take up half the show. Uh, it's going to be pretty interesting stuff, and uh, we'll be filleting it yes. throughout the day. On well, we're going to talk, talk to Kate McCann, uh, political editor at Talk TV, coming up just after the break. So she'll hopefully have been, had a look at what the two allegations are, and we'll finally find out what it is that made Dominic Raab resign. Tom Newton Dunn, thanks very much indeed. This is Talk TV. Online, on DAB+, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Uh, we are bringing you a wall-to-wall coverage right now of Dominic Raab's resignation from the Cabinet. Uh, he submitted his letter to Rishi Sunak this morning, shortly before this show began at 10 o'clock, uh, in which he said that there was a very low bar now that was reached uh, for bullying allegations. Only two of the allegations against him upheld uh, by the report, uh, which was uh, undertaken, of course, by uh, an independent barrister. Uh, let's talk now to Kate McCann, Talk TV's political editor. The report has just been issued, just been published. Kate, I think, has had a chance to have a look at it. Kate, very good morning to you. Um, can you tell us what you've uh, what you've found? Yeah, I can. Let's take these two things separately, shall we? Let's start with the Prime Minister's letter to Dominic Raab, mm. because those letters are always fascinating. We go through them line by line to work out whether either party is annoyed with the other one. Mm. And I think it's fair to say that given that Dominic Raab has had, as you say, about an hour or so now to get all of his arguments out before Number 10 has said a word... That tells you something. I think what we can infer from that is that Dominic Raab has been allowed to lay the groundwork, if you like, for how this this issue is going to be read by mm. the general public, which right. is possibly something the Prime Minister has allowed him to do because Mr Raab himself feels that this was unfair. So in the Prime Minister's own letter, he refers to, and I quote, shortcomings in the historic process that have negatively affected everyone involved. Rishi Sunak goes on to say, we should learn from this how to better handle such matters in future. Now, the Prime Minister doesn't give any more information in his letter, but having read the report, not every single one of the 48 pages, but mm. most of it now, I think it's fair to say that Adam Tolley Casey also comes to a similar conclusion. And some of the worries in this report, which is probably what the Prime Minister is reflecting, is about media reporting of some of these allegations, which Adam Tolley says he hasn't included in his report because he couldn't substantiate them. Some of them he couldn't find evidence for at all. And also about some of the ways that the process goes on when it, with reference to ministers, as opposed to how it would in in real life, I suppose, if you know any of us were investigated by our companies for allegations against us. Mm. And Dominic Webb has outlined some of those concerns in an article in The Telegraph this morning. Things like, you know, in a normal workplace, for example, there would be a time limit on how long somebody could take before they brought an allegation against you and whether or not the minister was aware. So... 
those are some of the problems the Prime Minister and Dominic Raab seem to be setting out this morning. And as I say, the choreographies for this suggest that the Prime Minister is giving Dominic Raab the space to set those out in public first, which means that he's probably fairly sympathetic. Yes. Now, Adam... Go on, sorry, Mike. No, I was, I was going to say, the, 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 sort of the, the penultimate paragraph of Dominic Raab's resignation letter when he refers to breaches in the Civil Service Code of Conduct, coercive removal by a senior official of dedicated private secretaries. I mean, those are serious allegations that he's made himself. Do you suspect that those will be investigated separately after this? Well, let's go on to talk about that, because that's what Adam Tolley's report was aiming to do. So mm. Adam Tolley was always just going to look at the allegations and try and find out what was true. So he's going to speak to every single party and work out who was telling the truth. And he's done a, a pretty, I would say, and people may well disagree, a pretty fair job in his report. It's 48 pages long, and he doesn't crucially make a judgment on whether the code has been breached. That was the prime minister who's done that. So mm. that's important to set out too. So what Adam Tolley has done is he's gone through the three different departments that, the prime, that Dominic Rabb was... Uh, in he's gone through uh, Dex EU, the Department for Exiting the European Union, uh, Foreign Office, and the Ministry of Justice. Now, with complaints that were made around the Brexit Department, any any of those complaints, he's really found no issue there. He's he sort of said the conduct couldn't be characterised as offensive, malicious, or insulting. The Prime Minister, Deputy Prime Minister didn't intend any adverse effects, and no one told him that his conduct was problematic. So I think let's put that one to the side. The most problematic complaints come during his time in the Foreign Office. Now. In that department, Adam Tolley concludes that Mr. Raab made a legitimate management choice. Now, that was about removing a member of staff. He says that Dominic Raab had the right to do that. But, and this is the important part, he, he says, and I quote, in reaching and implementing this management choice, he acted in a way which was intimidating in the sense of unreasonably and persistently aggressive conduct in the context of a work meeting. It also involved an abuse or misuse of power in a way that undermines or humiliates. He introduced an unwarranted punitive element. It goes on to say that Mr. Raab should have been aware of his conduct, which was experienced as humiliating or undermining the individual. And in separate, on separate occasions, he was basically told during that time, well, told at least that his behaviour may be problematic. That happened on a number of different occasions. And Adam Tolley finds that Despite the fact there was some back and forth about whether Mr. Raab was told, he, he thinks that genuinely that probably did happen. And there is another complaint in the Ministry of Justice, which Adam Tolley says that uh, during a number of occasions at meetings with policy officials, the Deputy Prime Minister acted in a way which was intimidating in the sense of going further than was necessary or appropriate in delivering critical feedback and also insulting in the sense of making unconstructive critical comments about the quality of work. But he does go on to say in that case that Dominic Raab didn't intend to offend anybody and he was not aware that that could have been the case. So I think, you know, there, there's a lot more detail in here about things like physical gestures, for example. Some people have said Dominic Raab used physical gestures. He banged the desk and he put his hand in people's faces. Mm. Adam Tolley says, nope, that didn't happen. I couldn't find any evidence of that, although people may have found his behaviour disconcerting. Yeah. And I think some of the most important bits is where Adam Tolley goes into Dominic Raab's work ethic and he says he works from 7 till 10 most days of the week, he's very demanding, but actually that is that is probably reasonable. It's mm. probably fine for him to be that demanding. So it's, it's I think, a, a generally sort of overall um, pretty fair assessment, although Dominic Raab clearly feels that the threshold for bullying in this case 
is too low. Yes. And that actually in some of these in some of these areas, he didn't cross the line. Mm, interesting. Kate, thank you very much indeed for that. Kate McCamber, the first look at the report and the two instances uh, which have been upheld against Dominic Raab. From what I've heard so far, I'd have to say it does sound like a pretty low bar and it does sound very subjective and it does sound as though some people might have taken offence at something where offence was not, of course, intended. And that is the world we now live in. The snowflakes win and the people who want work done properly lose. That's the government we currently have. This is Talk TV. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.